what if I decided to be me? What if I decided to be free? What if I decided to be comfortable in my own skin, my own hair, my own heritage, my traditions, my pride? What if I decided to let the whole world subside and walk away from the code switching, black tax, and self-love oppression? What if I decided to be the person I actually liked being, the person loved by God in my family? What if I decided to be that person 365 days a year, 100% of the time? Wouldn't that be sublime instead of this subpar reality of mine? What if I decided to stop suppressing my God-given personality while burying my bestowed gifts? What if I decided to be my authentic self instead of the imposter who seeks acceptance and believes in the illusion of inclusion? What if I decided to stop believing in their myths? Welcome to Melanated Conversations. Our narrative from our perspective. Here on the podcast, we are amplifying the voices of Black women and sharing their powerful stories of transformation. I'm Tyrion. And I'm Yana. Let's start the show. Welcome back to another episode of Melanated Conversations. I am your co-host, Tyrion. And I'm your co-host, Yana. Yes, season four, we are here. I am so excited to bring on our wonderful guest for today. We have Miss Tasha Randall in the building, or not in the building, but on the line with us today. Hi, Miss Tasha. Hey, I'm so excited to talk with you ladies today. Yes, we are so excited to hear your story and for you to share all the wonderful things that you are doing uh, to empower and help out all of our black and brown sisters um, all over. So we cannot wait to get to our chat. But before we do that, y'all know how we like to always start off our episodes with a round of rapid fire questions or don't drop the mic questions. And so I'm going to shoot this over to Yana. Go ahead, Yana. Well, Okay, so I only have one question I'm going to throw out today so that we can really get to our conversation for the day. But y'all know 2020 has been, was, you know, it was a different year for us. And (laughs) I just want to throw out the question, what's one lesson that you learned in 2020? That's a good question. The first lesson that comes to mind is to live your best life at all times and to make sure that you're living your life for you. So like being really clear about what I wanted and not being afraid to go get it. Knowing that, you know, 2020, if nothing else, was a reminder of just how short life can be and that you never know what's going to happen from year to year. And so I was like, hey, I'm I'm done putting stuff off. I'm going all in on my dreams. That's great. I love that. I love that. You know, this one, I feel like this one needs to sit on me a little bit longer, but I also felt like we talked about this a little bit last season, Yana, mm-hmm. um, and and just really, and it probably sounds cliche or a lot of people have probably been saying, had been saying this the past, you know, year with everything that we've had to deal with. Um, but, you know, for me, it really is the the most simplest things of of 
um, taking in those things and truly appreciating them. Cause I, you know, we could have taken this past year and, you know, and, and to a certain degree, yes, we look at it and be like all the things that we haven't been able to do or, um, you know what I mean? Feel like things may have been taken away from us, quote unquote, you know, but, um, I, you know, want to look at it from the other perspective and look at life from the other perspective and really just appreciate the things that I do have and really under come, I really come to understand just how blessed I truly am. And I'm not talking about from a, like a, 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 a lifestyle standpoint, but from a family standpoint, you know what I'm saying? And um, that, you know, God has provided so many things for us and really being able to appreciate not even just the things within my household, but the things outside nature, you know what I'm saying? Moon, the sky, the rainbow, like all those little things. I've taken time to appreciate those things so much more this past year. And I'm so grateful for those things. And so, um, yeah, I, but I've just come to appreciate the things that I do have opposed to looking at the things that I have missed out on or don't have this year or this past year. No, that's good. That's good. Both of um, y'all. And, you know, I know I threw out the question and I said one lesson, but I'm trying to pick, I'm trying to sort through which one I want to (laughs) choose. Lessons on lessons on lessons. (laughs) I was in school all year. Um, You remember the song from, y'all remember Dream Girls, the movie Dream Girls? Yes. Remember the song, Patience. Yay! Gotta say something. <laughs> Dang it. I can't sing. <laughs> Ooh, that was my number. That was probably number one lesson for me was patience. Um, especially with you know, school was a little different for you know, early the at the end of the last school semester. What 2019, 2018, 2019 school year? or 2019, 2020, whatever, 2019 going into 2020, um, that last semester, we abruptly went straight into virtual learning and we had to kind of refigure out different things. And and so it became teachers. And um, that taught me to definitely incorporate a lot of, that that incorporated some some patience. Um, But also too, just with all the different things that, you know, um, we had planned and, and, you know, goals that you may have had for the year and um, seeing some things move, but some, seeing some things move slower than what you would expect or having to redirect or change. And, you know, it was a lot of redirecting and changing, but um, staying the course. Um, so for me, just all those things, but patience, definitely. It was a real, real, real lesson for me and true patience because, you know, I thought I was patient in a way, but um, I learned I had a lot of work to do in that in that in that area. So that no, was that's, mine. <laughs> that's good. I you 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 were saying that it also made me think about just we all had to learn how to adapt. That we weren't immune to mm-hmm. this pandemic, and I'm not saying from the standpoint of being getting sick or not getting sick, but not immune to all the things that forced us to have to shift how yeah. we lived life. Um, the, you know, and I think some things probably won't ever go back to how they were before. And that could be, I agree with that. you know, if that's not necessarily a bad thing, we can, you know, it, it made us all uncomfortable to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, change and shift is not always a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? It forces us to grow. So yes. it's, it, there've been good things that have come out of, out of 2020. <laughs> oh, absolutely. absolutely. It was tough, but it was necessary. 
Absolutely. And you like I I mentioned this to you too, Terry, one of my favorite quotes that's been guiding me is, you know, every storm runs out of rain. And that for me Mm -hmm. was like my saving grace for 2020. Yes. When you sent me that, I was like, (laughs) yes, ma'am, that right there, that part right there. It doesn't, the the storm has no choice but to pass it. So, right. That is a whole word. (laughs) (laughs) But we ain't here to preach to y'all today. (laughs) Well, maybe a little bit. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Tasha, thank you, first of all, for, for, you know, answering that question. And and I want to say playing along because that was (laughs) like a, I don't know, kind of life lesson sharing type of thing, but we appreciate you, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hey, I like to have fun. So have fun (laughs) and share lessons, build each other up. I'm all about it. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, let's move this show right along because we are here to talk to you and to talk about all the things that you have going on, Ms. Tasha. And so let's go ahead and start off our melanated chat. I'm going to hit you with the first question. Um, So I just want to know who is Tasha Randall? What are your roots? Um, And can you share a little bit of your backstory with us today? Yes. So I am a God-loving, trap-beat-vibing, bourbon-sipping, down-earth woman who loves traveling and spending time with my family and loved ones. Um, girl, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was like, <laughs> yes, chick, 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 chick. Yes. <laughs> uh, I like to think I am very well rounded. Like, hey, I love God, but I also like to twerk a little bit to a little trap beat every now and then, and like to you know have fun at the same time. And I don't think it has to be an either or. Um, you know, I want to live life to the fullest at all times. Mm-hmm. So, yes, absolutely. I'm um, originally from St. Louis, so that's where my roots are at. Um, A little bit of my backstory. I was raised by a single mother who had like a fierce determination and conviction to accomplish anything that she put her mind to. So she definitely passed those traits on to me and I'm appreciative of it. Um, As you know, we had talked about a little bit before I because of my mom's fierce determination and, you know, making sure that she had all her ducks in a row. I so appreciate that she valued the importance of education and what that could do in helping, you know, me get ahead in my life. And so she actually made some choices and sacrifices to work two and three jobs to move us out to a predominantly white neighborhood where I would be afforded a better education. What that then meant, though, is I grew up around a lot of people that did not look like me. Um, and kind of struggled a little bit along the way to find like my group of people that I really could bond and connect with. Um, and so needless to say, by the time I got through school, I was like itching to just be surrounded by people who looked like me where I felt more at home. And so I went to HBCU for undergrad and then went to Alabama A&M. Shout out to all my bulldogs out there. And then after that, then basically transitioned into the corporate world where then I was back in mostly white spaces. Um, And that's just a little bit of background that kind of ties into some of the things that we'll get into around the work that I do today. Yes. Yes. Shout out to the HBCUs. And you said you went to Alabama A&M? Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We have have a lot of family that um, went to HBCUs. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically the whole AUC, Atlanta University yep. Center, <laughs> <laughs> Clark. <laughs> yep. Um. So yeah. Um. But no. Um. 
I love that. And I love how, you know, you shared about your mother and, and her, you know, how the strength of her and, and, and I see like a lot of you embody that in your, the work that you do. Um, let's kind of talk about real talk, Tasha, and how you utilize, you know, this platform to help black and brown um, women define success in their own terms. I know that you yourself, as you mentioned, you were um, you did a, a corporate America stint and you took some time off a little sabbatical to kind of define um, more of success for your own terms, like what that looked like for you. You know, mm-hmm. I definitely understand how you, how kind of what that felt like, because I I think most of us all have been in those kind of situations, but um, I served in HR for um, over 10 plus years and definitely feel felt so out of place when, as it became because mm-hmm. I was the only black woman on the team, um, actually the only black person of color on the team. So um, kind of share about that experience for you, um, what it was like for you taking that time off and how you kind of, you know, worked through um, some things um, that got you to this point where you are today. Yes, yeah, so I can definitely relate to being the only one, um, not only through my, you know, early education, as I talked about, you know, growing up in mostly white spaces, but also in corporate America. And so I've definitely had that experience throughout my life. And I think a lot of, you know, people of color often had that experience because, you know, we are the minority. And, you know, what that was like for me was oftentimes, you know, feeling out of place, having to do extra work to connect with my team, to um, try to understand their culture, but not always having that reciprocated, you know, for them to take the time to understand my culture and background to be able to create an authentic connection with me. Um, And so through that, you know, a lot of times, you know, I would have like, you know, a lot of us do code switching and adapting or conforming to the environment in order to succeed. Because, you know, when you are the only one, some of the things that, you know, might come more naturally to you in terms of, you know, how you talk, the jokes you'll make or references you'll use may fall on deaf ears. And it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe I need to adapt this a little bit because I don't know if that's going over too well. And it is just flat out mentally exhausting um, to have to kind of play that balance, you know, on top of the, you know, work you're expected to do from a day to day. And so at the point where I took my sabbatical, it was not only that factor playing a role, but then also um, I was in the midst of having career conversations around my next move. And I wasn't happy with what I felt like I was being pressured into taking as that next move. And I didn't feel like I was able to, you know, truly advocate for myself. So at that time, when I decided to take my sabbatical, I was burnt out and having a lot of anxiety about my next career move. Um, and so I decided, you know, luckily it was an opportunity that my company afforded me where I could take some time off, you know, and still be guaranteed a job. And so I decided to take that time because I was like, I need some time and space to just pause and really get clear about what it is that I truly want. Because right now things just seem like they're moving so fast that I barely have time to think. And so that's why I took the three months sabbatical. 
during that time, I ended up, you know, doing a lot, spending a lot of time with God, daily devotionals, really just spending some time getting centered and taking a pause to get clear to hear from God and really hear his voice. Because I often feel like God is always talking to us. But, you know, for me personally, being super, you know, busy all the time, ripping and running, I found that previously I didn't used to sit still long enough to really hear his voice. And so that's what I spent a lot of time doing. Um, And I got really clear about what I truly wanted and what I didn't. Also during that time in one of my daily devotionals, uh, God really uh, snatched my edges and convicted me when I was reading the parable of the talents. I had read it before, but this time it hit different. Mm -hmm. And he um, really pointed out to me and begged the question, are you the one burying your gifts? Mm. And I was like, oh, Lord, like, dang, like, you gonna just hit me like that? Um, you slap your hook sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, 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 got, he got me together. I was like, okay. Because and not only at that time was I getting more clear about what I truly wanted out of my career and what God had called me to in terms of my purpose. He also reminded me, hey, yeah, you remember 10 years ago when I gave you this vision to start this coaching business? And you gave me all these excuses about how you weren't ready. And, oh, well, I need more life under me. Oh, I need this. I need that. I need X, Y, and Z rather than just being obedient. Oh, okay. Yeah, the time is now. And so I was like, okay. He's like, I'm having you go through this process because I need you to be able to help other women transition Mm -hmm. through and get the same results. And so, yeah, when he convicted me with that parable of the talents and really just got me together, I was like, got it. And basically the journey was so enlightening um, that I knew so many other women needed what God had just helped me walk through. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, God, I'm, I'm a be obedient. I'm starting this coaching business. And that's where Real Talk Tasha was birthed out of. I love that. I love that. Were you going to say something, Yana? No, I'm, I'm processing. That was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, same here. I was just going to say, like, this is just good stuff. I, sometimes it's good. It's not sometimes. It is always good to just sit and listen sometimes and not always be chatting. <laughs> I love this. I love this. And I love the fact that, um, you know, for you, it really was like you sitting and, you know, reading scripture and it, you know, God be illuminating in pages, boy. And be like, mm-hmm. remember this? Yeah, I'm talking to you right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> And it's, and it's interesting because I read that and heard the parable of talent so many times before mm-hmm. and it was a whole new lens on it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, I I want to talk a little bit about the idea of um, the mask. You referenced the mask um, in, in the work that you do. And most of, if not most of us, most Black women know what you're talking about. But we do have some listeners. Who are not as melanated as we are, um, and they may not be familiar with the term of the mask. Um, we're not talking about the movie from Jim Carrey, but <laughs> we're not talking um, about we're not talking about the mask that we have to wear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're not talking about that. We're not talking about the song. Future we want you to out. wear that mask. <laughs> right, right. right. Come in, mask on. <laughs> yeah, we want mask on, not mask off. Future, okay, but. Um, I, I can you explain to those who may not. Uh, know what the mask is and then my my second part of that is at what point for you um did it become a a, a apparent or imperative that you like I like the mask has got to come off come off once and for all I've got to get rid of this mask and be okay with that yes so 
for those that don't know, the mask that a lot of women of color reference that we often wear in corporate spaces or spaces where we are, you know, one of few or the only one is really putting on um, a mask in the sense of adapting who you're, who we are to fit to the situation. And you may have heard the term also referenced kind of as code switching is one form of what that mask looks like, but it's essentially not bringing your full authentic self to the situation that you're in. Like that's the most simplified way is like, hey, I show up as a different person when I walk into the doors of corporate America than when I'm at home with family and friends. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, so that's how I define like what that mask is. And for me, the moment that I knew it was time to take it off was, you know, as I reflected back on that feeling of being burnt out, exhausted um, from code switching, from wearing that mask on a day to day and had that time to pause and really get get grounded and centered Mm-hmm. I realized how freeing it was and the amount of weight that was lifted off my shoulders that I never wanted to go back to put in the mask. The mask is heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's heavy and it's exhausting to wear. I'm like, there's layers too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, why do I need to live my life? Like, like this is not what I want the rest of my life to be like. Like, I don't want to have to be somebody um, different at work than how I show up at home. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I should have to, because I, I'm like, once I got really clear about the value that I brought to the table too, because one of the things that I feel like for me personally, that made me feel like I had to wear that mask was some of the self-doubt and imposter syndrome that I dealt with around, mm. oh, well, am I going to be able to succeed as, you know, all of who I am, just bringing my authentic self to this environment? Are they going to accept me? And are they going to question whether I am worthy enough to be here? Mm -hmm. And once I was able to get past that and to, you know, break that down, then I'm like, look, hey, I'm very clear about the value that I bring to the table. So I'm done wearing a mask because I don't need anybody to tell me that I'm worthy. God has already told me that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and I'm more than worthy. Um, and that I know that if this is not the situation or the space for me, there is another space or place for me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so going in with that mentality, with that level of confidence and clarity, it, it enabled me to take that mask off for good. That's good. I never even, while you were talking, I was sitting here thinking I was, I never thought about it from how I just, it kept popped up in my head while you're talking, but, um, just thinking about the idea of the mask as a double-edged sword. And what I mean by that is like a lot of, a lot of times we end up wearing the mask as a form of, which you kind of, you reference, but as a form of like self-preservation, right. Being like, let me like not bring all of myself to the table in order to make sure that I'm able to level up, if that yep. makes sense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so we we're trying to save ourselves so that we can move forward in life. And then, you know what I mean? And, and in our um, professional spaces, but we're really doing ourselves a disservice because we're not bringing our entire selves to the table. Exactly. It's, it's like yeah. you're trying to fight with one hand behind your back. So it's like, I'm yeah. trying to level up, but I, at the same time, I'm expending a bunch of my energy 
wearing yes. this mask. Yes. And so I'm not really operating in my full capacity because I'm using some of that mental capacity to put this mask on. Right. Exactly. exactly. I actually have a question kind of around the topic of mask and both of y'all can actually answer this because I'm, this is something I've been struggling. Well, especially more so because I do more now I do more writing around about the experience um, of just from my experience of being in HR and, um, you know, knowing that that, you know, was a factor, you know, especially for us that needed people that, that we there weren't many of us in upper levels that we couldn't identify with and really truly explain in our way and really show um all the struggles that we may be experiencing in, in, in our roles and things like that. Um, my question is more so, I know I'm kind of going all over the place, but I promise I'm bringing it around, um, is when you work so hard to remove that mask, to really show up authentically as yourself, meaning you're bringing your full self to that work experience. How do you feel when it's like the mask is thrown back at you in a way, when you see people take our culture that we've worked so hard to break down and not show in the job, but they use that for marketing things to benefit and profit off of us. They utilize our culture for gains of, for monetary gains, but it's not acceptable for us to show up as ourselves in that way at work. Yes. I actually just posted about this on my Instagram. Uh, I think it was maybe a few weeks ago, but one of my friends um, had made the statement on one of the lives I do lives we had done where she said they love our rhythm, but not our blues. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes. And I feel like that encapsulates that because there are certain situations in in which they're accepting of our culture but then others where it's not okay. So it's like, hey, I want to use it for my good when, you know, it seems cool and fun. But in these business settings, I don't expect, you know, you to be bringing that to the table. Um, and honestly, I, I feel like there's some environments like that. There are some that are not. And I'm not trying to be in the spaces where yeah, it is that way. Um, and so I've gotten really clear and comfortable knowing that like, hey, I'm I'm willing to pack my bags and leave a table if I don't feel like this table is accepting of who I truly am. Yes. Yes. That's woo. Yeah, that's good. Right. Like because my the question I had to really ask myself is like, do I want to die a little bit inside every day? Mm-hmm. Or live in all of the fullness which God made me. Yes. Because I like he also worked with me too on, hey, by you wearing this mask and not you know, using your gifts and talents to the fullest of your ability, you're basically acting as if I didn't, as, as if I made a mistake. Yes. I didn't make you how you were intended to be. Right. And I'm like, ooh, it is gone. Mm, okay. Yeah. I call that, that's a slap in the face to the creator. Don't <laughs> right. never want to do that. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, Yana, first of all, you just, woo, that was, I was like, I looked at you. <laughs> I said, well, excuse me. That's such a great question. Um, You know, I realize, especially in Western culture, you know, capitalism, boy, capitalism is something else. And, you know, they will do anything for them for some money. Uh, And so if that means for a corporation or a company or whatever entity to 
um, bank off of our culture, then that's what they're going to do. And I, I think that Tasha just uh, put it together so well from the standpoint of if it's not true and authentic um, and you don't even have us, number one, if you don't even have us at the table, because I see a lot of companies exactly. right now who are taking advantage of things within our culture and using it, marketing those things. And ain't none of us, we didn't sign off on this. You didn't even come talk to one of us to ask us to get our insight on this. We're not even at the table. Um, so, or we're at the table and we give you a little bit of information and you disregard everything else that we're saying. And so it, it is one of two things. Um, first of all, I'm not going to keep begging for a seat at the table. Yep. I'm just going to build my own table. That, that, that's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. I'm going to take the tools that, and the things that I've been given and I'm going to go build my own table and, and I'm going to bring along the people you know what I'm saying? I'm going to surround myself with the people who I know are here for the right reasons and understand uh, the movement and, you know what I'm saying? And understand our culture and appreciate our culture and respect our culture. Cause I think it's one thing to appreciate my culture. It's another thing to respect, to respect it. Those are two different things. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, um, you know, that's, like I said, you know, people will do anything for money. Um, and we can, we see how we, we see it every single day. Um, no, and people right. have, will abuse power and abuse all sorts of things just to make some money at the expense of other people's cultures. Um, yeah. And I, that don't never sit right with me. That never sits right with me. Yeah. And I feel like those environments are likely the ones that also aren't just appreciative and respectful of the black people that are or people of color who are even within those walls. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I feel like for in those environments, it's all, at those companies where they are just using it for their gain and aren't, it isn't from an authentic place. Absolutely. I can only imagine my heart goes out to the people of color who work there because I know they're probably dying in a little bit inside every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, because if that's how these companies are showing up to the outside world, you already know that their house is not in order on the inside. Yep. And you got to think, too, this last year, especially over the summer, it became socially acceptable to say Black Lives Matter. And it, it became socially acceptable to put that statement, you know, in a commercial on TV, all these corporations, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so for me, it was like, oh, that's great and all. We appreciate the act. But at the same time, why now? Why now is it OK for you to say those things? Why now are you suddenly ready to jump on? board with the movement why now and for me it's not authentic i'm appreciate it i ain't gonna knock you for putting it out there but at the same time like but also really direct that money towards you you really say you want to increase organizations diversity and inclusion because they'll talk about diversity but the inclusion piece it always falls to the wayside from hr Mm -hmm. perspective it like it's always the hot topic to say, the, the, the hot word to, to mention, but there really wasn't true initiatives around inclusion. And mm-hmm. really, if you really truly are about DNI, put the money there. Like, Absolutely. don't just say you're building a team and then not give them the resources that they need to really make effective change. That is not that go that counteracts the. I mean, it, it's it does not work when you can give all this lip service, but yeah. you're not putting your money where you're saying that you really want to add value and see real change. It's never going to happen. I see boards all the time being 
you know, stacked. Thankfully, with, you know, they're, they're, they, they put us in those roles when it comes to leadership roles. But, you know, I can have a whole other conversation when it comes to other leadership roles that we need to be seen more effectively. And especially if you want to be more inclusive as an organization, we don't need to just be inclusive when it comes to DNI efforts, but mm-hmm. throughout true. the, from the top to the bottom. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm getting kind of up there, but yeah. <laughs> no, this is personal. For no, you. This is personal. We know. <laughs> I'm I know. with you. I'm with you because actually I also do a lot of inclusion work as well. So that's a separate side of Real Talk Tasha. So not only do I do the coaching aspect for helping women get the clarity, confidence, and action plans they need to show up authentically in their careers. I also recognize the importance of the corporations being in a space where they can show up authentically mm-hmm. and succeed. And so the second part of my business is around inclusion consulting. And I do a lot of that also in my nine to five because I'm I'm totally with you, Yana, that diversity is always something that is had. And oftentimes the inclusion ends up falling to the wayside with a lot of companies. And if you can have people in and let them like it's like, hey, you can ask somebody to, you know, invite somebody to the party. But then if you don't ask them to dance or let them get involved and give them, you know, a seat at the table to have decision making power and actually listen to the things that they're saying, it's, it's pointless. And it makes it even more exhausting. Like you're actually doing more damage than good at that point exactly. um, because that actually leads to the, some of the self-doubt and imposter syndrome. And so I feel like the inclusion is super essential. And I 100% agree with you, ladies. Like there, it's important that these companies don't just do it to drive revenue and to show up, um, you know, to check the box and say like, oh, well, we've made mm. commercials that say Black Lives Matter but then you're not doing things to actually drive inclusion within the walls of your company mm-hmm. and also within the communities where you have influence because yes, a lot of these yes. com- corporations have big dollars that they could be investing to drive meaningful change in the societies that they operate in. Come on. You said it. You All said it. it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yes. So that was always kind of a sore spot for me, as you all can tell. I'm simmering down now. But really? uh, <laughs> I had no look, Yana really had no idea. Not even... <laughs> but yes, if you if you're a company and you're listening to this, um, there's so much deeper work that can be done. And people like Tasha are out there that can really help and serve and really add true value, help you provide true value into your organization. And don't make this a one-time thing, y'all. No. Just yes. a one-time, uh-huh. oh, we we got it in for the quarter. Everybody got their little mm-hmm. one. We, 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 Say um, it one more time, Yana. Say it don't one more time. Don't make this a one-time thing. This is a consistent, it's like a checkup. Like you got to keep checking in and, and yeah. keeping a pulse on this. Bring Tasha back. Ta- keep Tasha on the payroll. <laughs> the one thing up. I have been touting to everybody is like, look, this needs to be a movement, not a moment. Like, yes. it's going to be tiring. I'm like, I, I stress, it's going to be tiring along the way. I'm going to tell you now, like, this is not just like easy work. We're going to check the box and now we're going to feel good. Everything going to be fixed. No, this problem that we have of systemic racism and social injustice was not created in a couple months, in a year. It's not going hundreds go away of years. Come on, it's not yep. go away that fast. Like it's going to mm-hmm. take time, and it's going to take intentional efforts, ongoing efforts. It's going to take funding, yes, and the right staffing and teams to support that work. And like you say, it can't be just for a point in time. Yeah, and I, I wish people would understand too. If you really look at the 
the enormous, gigantic, big picture at the end of the day. We know it's going to take a long time and a lot of effort and a lot of money and a lot like so much is going to have to go into this. But understanding that when we make when we make things equal across the board for everybody, for, for, for black and brown people, that everybody benefits from this. Amen. You know what I'm saying? I think people look at it. You, white folks look at it. I'm just going to say it. White people look at it from the standpoint of, well, then you trying to take something away from me. It's like, no, let me tell you, if a black woman gets her foot in the door and leadership is able to do this, this and this. You, so she's just going to forget about all the women behind her, too? Like, no, everybody's going to benefit from this. Everybody gets to benefit from this. But if people are still being left behind, if black and brown people are still being left behind, then nobody, everybody ain't winning. It's just no, it, it, there's no, there's no way around it. Everyone is not winning if everyone is not, you know what I'm saying, giving the same opportunities and access to yes. all the things. There's a quote that I heard from, um, I believe her name is Austin Channing Brown. Yes, Um, love her. (laughs) Yes. And she had said that anti-racism is the work. It's I'm probably butchering the quote, but it's like anti-racism is the work of becoming a good human. Like everybody's going to benefit because once you actually break down the systemic racism and social injustice and actually create inclusive environments, you're creating a space that basically like at the premise of it, it's creating an environment where people can bring their full authentic selves mm-hmm. and operate at their fullest potential. Who cannot benefit from that? Exactly. I don't care what race you are, what sex you are, what sexual preference you have, what whatever it may be. Like, yeah, I don't know who cannot benefit from that. Yep. A hundred percent. Agree. Yep. Absolutely. Woo. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> um, many of us live um, and compare our level of success to um, a specific timeline that you know society has placed. Um, and particularly as Black women, uh, we tend to strive and we reach the pinnacle and we go above and beyond when it comes to making sure we're hitting those timelines. Right, we're, we're making sure we're doing all the thing, all the right things um, to make sure uh, that. But 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 we we still find ourselves not being fulfilled. Can you share um, some insight into what may be a contributing factor to that? And how can we overcome falling into the trap of, uh, of not being fulfilled? Um, and can you share a little bit about your fulfillment framework that you have? Absolutely. So I think one of the main things that drives people to be unfulfilled is not really being clear about who they truly are like and I'll go in a little bit more into that because I know people are like I know who I am because I know that's how I was when I first kind of started on this journey myself um and then the other piece is not really knowing your why because oftentimes when I talk to you know clients who are unfulfilled it's driven by like what I hear them say of what they want instead is like I want meaningful work like I want to find more meaning in the work that I'm doing more meaning means like you want to understand like, well, what is the purpose? Why are you doing the work that you are doing? And so that often is what leads to unfulfillment. And to be honest, we don't get the advice, coaching, um, guidance oftentimes um, as we're you know growing up into adults 
to be really clear about like, what do you truly want out of life? You know, oftentimes our family and society just instructs us like, go to school, get good grades, get a good corporate job that you didn't want in life. Like if you're not, you know, stuck, you know, struggling paycheck to paycheck, if you got extra money in the bank and save and, you know, do all that, then like you're, you've succeeded. So that often leads to people being unfulfilled because they go and check all those boxes on what, you know, they have been told is going to lead to success. And then when they get there, they're not happy. It's not clicking how they thought it was going to click because they hadn't been clear all along about, well, what do you truly want out of life? And so that's what I work with clients to help them figure out. And the fulfillment framework, if you think about it in terms of like, a, you know, visualize a Venn diagram type structure, but there's four different circles all overlapping. Those four circles, each of those four circles represents a different facet or different area. Those four areas are your values, your talents, your passions, and your purpose. So being really clear about like, what it, what is it that you truly value in life? What is most important to you at your core? Like, is that family? Is it status? Is it, you know, um, you know, learning, whatever that may be? There's a long list. Um, what are your talents? Like, what are, what are your God given gifts? Like, what are you, what can you do? Like the back of your hand and maybe it just comes super easy to you. And I find that a lot of people often overlook what their talents are because they come so easy. They're like, oh no, anybody can do that. Like everybody can do that because it came so easy. Like, no, it came easy to you because it's a gift. And we often underestimate that those things are truly gifts and not everybody can do them like we can. The other one is like, what are the passions? What are the things that you could do on hours on end and kind of get lost in the sauce and lose track of time? And then your purpose is rooted in your why. Like, what is your driving motivation? And a simplified way to answer like what your purpose is or to start to figure that out is identify what's a problem in the world that you have a passion for solving, like that it really irks your nerves and you want to see it change? And who do you want to go solve that problem for? And that can be your driving force and your why. Um, And basically, with the values, talents, passion, and purpose, the more that you can find overlap amongst those, so either whether it's like your values and talents find an overlap, your talents and passions, passions, purpose, or all four, ideally, but the more that you can find overlap amongst those, the more fulfilled that you will be. Like if you're only living in one of those buckets, or you don't, like well, the work that you're doing doesn't check the box in any of those buckets, you probably are definitely unfulfilled. The more that you can find some overlap amongst those, the more fulfillment you will have. I okay. love that. I love yeah. that. What were Thank those, you for what painting were, that out. Yes. What were those four things again? You said talent. Values. Values. Talents. Mm-hmm. Passions. And purpose. Perfect. That was helpful. That was helpful yes. for me. <laughs> I was just going through that and I was like, yes. And um, yeah, I'm, I might need to talk to you after this, Tasha. Yes. Let's talk. We'll some real talk after this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Um, and those are kind of your thing with providing clarity, confidence, and a meaningful career. That's yes. the whole embodiment of, you know, what you stand for. So Exactly. Because a lot of people don't, like, they seem so simple when you say them. But if you truly ask somebody to tell you, like, oh, what are your values, talents, purpose, and passions? Like, 
a lot of people are going to struggle. It's going to take them some time. I know I did. Before I started taking myself through this process, I couldn't have told you right off the bat what mine were. And so that's what I work with clients on, getting that clarity. And then once you get the clarity, sometimes there's also some confidence that's lagging because it's like, well, I said that's my talent or, you know, my purpose, but I kind of question it. I have a little bit of doubt. And it's like, no, I need you to know that with certainty and conviction because that impacts how you show up when you do it. Yes. No, absolutely. Do you do that? You offer this on, I know you do this one-on-one with your, your clients, but I know also know that you provide like consulting to organizations too. Do you provide the same kind of concept um, or break this down for like teams and organizations too? Oh yes, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Well, y'all heard it. Reach out to Tasha. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll connect. Give y'all the information to connect with her um, at at the end of the show. And of course, it'll always be in our show notes. But we want to go ahead and wrap for the day. Well, cl- have, you know, leading to our closing questions before we wrap. Um, this was such a great conversation, Tasha. Um, yes. And you know, like I said, I was excited to talk about it, but I didn't realize I, it was going to take me to another place. <laughs> <laughs> Add some baby to another. Add some flash. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I just told on myself. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but um, before we wrap, um, are there any like new projects or anything in the work for 2021 that we should be aware of, that we should be connected and plugged into? And how can one, you know, work with you and all the things that you have going? Yes. So to stay connected with me, the best place is on Instagram at Real Talk Tasha. Um, if you are you know, interested in working with me, you can follow me on uh, IG. You can also go to my website, www.realtalktasha.com and book a, a discovery call so we can chat and you know, help you get the clarity that you need to succeed in your career. Um, as far as 2021, I am offering some one-to-one consultations. I have a VIP day that um, I'm getting booked out. So make sure you sign up for that. I also will be um, launching some new things in 2021. So make sure that you're following me on IG to keep up to date with that. Um, and then I also have a special treat that I believe you guys will be having in the uh, show notes on a um, link to help people who are looking to overcome overwhelm at work yes we'll add that definitely in the show notes it's a freebie for you guys so thank tasha (laughs) (laughs) especially too because um at the time that this will be officially aired we'll be in the new year and um you know with a new year Typically, hopefully 2020 didn't leave that big of a bruise on all of us that we don't want to think about <laughs> um, our goals and our future and stuff like that. But, you know, at those first few months, we we get in real high gear of, of planning yeah. and, you know, setting those New Year's resolutions. So, you know, if, you know, gaining clarity around your career or just, you know, just really kind of understanding what, you know, getting more clear what, what, what your needs um, and, and defining that success on your own terms looks like um, definitely get plugged in with Tasha to help guide you in those efforts. So yes, 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 yes. absolutely. And I am looking forward to uh, seeing more of you and all those that reach out because I, I know um, 
from the many women that I've talked to and clients that I've worked with, there is a huge need out there. Um, and if anything, 2020 has highlighted for people mm-hmm. um, the importance about being in a career that actually is something that they can enjoy, you know, because oftentimes, especially not being able to travel, like I love to travel um, and have a lot of friends and folks who do as well. And oftentimes it's looking forward to the next trip or next vacation or getaway that kind of gives them some sense of pause or relief in their job. Like it's like, okay, well now I got a little break to get me away. But in absence of that, people are now really waking up and having to just sit in the fact of like, oh, I'm I'm just at this job that I really don't like like that. And I ain't got nothing to kind of help me escape from it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if anything, I feel like 2020 highlights the fact of like, no, make sure that you're in a job that actually is fitting for what you truly want out of life and that you enjoy that the work that you and you enjoy the work you're doing. Absolutely. Yes. Words from the wise. Definitely. Tasha, this has been such a great conversation. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you today. Likewise. Um, yes. Um, thank you for um, you know, using your story and your um your experiences to help other women, other black and brown women. Thank you so much. Cause you know, sometimes we can have an experience and go through a, you know. We, we learn a life lesson and then we keep it to ourselves, but you, you have done the opposite. And so we appreciate your transparency and thank you for being willing to help us. Yes. So experiences mm-hmm. are meant to be shared for us to grow. Yes, Amen. absolutely. Thank you. I am a firm believer that I am blessed to be a blessing. So yeah. I am grateful to be able to share what I've learned. Amen. Amen. As always, <laughs> you guys, um, we're going to wrap, but thank you so much for always, um, you know, plugging in with us and all the wonderful women that we bring on the show. You know, it's always our aim to amplify the beautiful voices of Black women, share and on our lessons and celebrate our successes. So thank you for joining in with us on that. Until next time. Melanate on that. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our chat today. Keep the conversation going by heading to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leaving us a review. Have a story of your own to share? Email us at info at melanatedconversations.com or connect with us on social media at Melanated Conversations. Till next time, keep raising your voice. voice.